AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. It is Wednesday. It is November 29th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today. A little unique schedule this week as the Extra Point will be back on Friday. No show on Thursday. Friday, though, for Friday Spread, brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. The Sports Zone, though, conducting business as usual tomorrow from 10 to 11 a.m. Let's reset the scene with today's poll questions, heavy college football poll questions. And if you missed the in-depth conversation Bob had with Pete Futek from collegefootballnews.com, you can always podcast it over at kdos1060.com or with the KDOS 1060 app. Should Georgia still be ranked ahead of Michigan in the college football playoff rankings? Georgia 1, Michigan 2 as of yesterday. Yes remains out in front at 73% of the vote. No trailing at 27 Seven percent will officially provide our answer to this question around 1230 today. Tossing it on over to Twitter at KDUS AM 1060 for the U of A. Should they be ranked higher than 15th in the college football playoff rankings? And no, consistently leading the way here at 66.7% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 33.3%. Another question that there's plenty of time for you to continue to cast your vote and will officially answer around 1230 today. 602-260-1060 is the number. If you'd like to chime in, we'll take calls today in this hour around 1215. Let's continue with the conversation we were having from hour number one. It was inspired by the Athletics' Mike Sando, and it was an article about the quarterback future of all 32 teams and broken down into tiers. Tier one was not for one second do you consider trading him for any other quarterback in the league, and there was only one quarterback in that positioning, and that was Patrick Mahomes. Tier two was top tier quarterback uh, signed to a long term extension and you wouldn't trade him for any quarterback at all. But Mahomes, uh, there were three in that category with Josh Allen. Uh, then you also had Joe Burrow and uh, Justin Herbert. We got to tier three and we're still in tier three as of uh, the final segment. And that was upper tier quarterback signed to a long term deal and seemingly happy both sides with their current situation. Jalen Hurts with the Eagles, Lamar Jackson with the Ravens, and we've landed on Dak Prescott with the Cowboys. Since week six, Prescott leads the NFL with 14 touchdown passes, and his EPA per, play, per pa pass play is the highest in the league. Uh, certainly, I think having a more balanced attack has helped Dak Prescott. My question here is how much of this is an improvement and that balance and really feeling comfortable in the offense versus who some of the teams the Cowboys have played? Hard to tell about the defense for sure, who they played, but I'm not sure they're all that balanced because it's been much more passed than it has been run for the last few games now. He's thrown the ball down the field with far more frequency and accuracy 
Brandon Cooks has got involved more because, needless to say, if you're throwing it down the field, that's your guy. And he's had a career in several places of doing that with success. Uh, so the thing that I do think is comical, though, is, you know, some of the same people who I actually heard mentioned when Trey Lance was traded to Dallas. How long is it? How many years until Trey Lance is the starting quarterback and Dak is out in Dallas? Some of those same people are now saying he's among the best quarterbacks in the league. And in fact, uh, pro football focus, I just heard this morning uh, in the last hour during one of our breaks during the uh, watching the NFL Network uh, insider show that uh, pro football focus has Dak rated as their highest quarterback this season. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Uh, the fourth quarterback to round out this particular tier is Matthew Stafford with the Rams. Uh, Sando admits, though, that this is a little bit of a unique situation because Stafford is 35, uh, and maybe that changes things a little bit as well because of the situation that the Rams are in. Do they want to offload the contract and enter into a complete rebuild here with LA uh, but I think it's pretty clear watching this Rams team when he is quarterbacking the team versus when he is not quarterbacking the team the difference yeah. agreed even though yeah, after watching the, Card the Cardinals and Rams on Sunday there's no question that Cooper Cup is hurt he shouldn't be playing I didn't think I mean he yeah, had real problems getting off the line of scrimmage they put him in a slot that didn't even work uh, he seemed to just lack explosiveness, and uh, he's had multiple different leg injuries this year. Uh, so, you know, just uh, talking of you know, opportunity to talk about the Rams' offense, so I need to throw that in there. Um, but you know, if if by the end of the week, they the Rams could be second in the division uh, if you know Seattle loses and the Rams win. Tier four here is something bad would have to happen not to do an extension soon with these quarterbacks. And number one is Trevor Lawrence with the Jaguars. He is eligible for an extension after this season. I just wonder here, is this offense been consistent enough with Trevor Lawrence? 67.3% completion percentage, 2,746 yards, 12 touchdowns, 7 picks this year. He has carried the ball 51 times for 240 yards and 14 rushing first downs. But then when you kind of think about the situation that is the quarterbacks, uh, what other choice do you really have but to do an extension with him? They don't. I mean, even though it's amazing how the things can change like less than a month because, you know, two, three weeks ago, uh, you know, there was asked during a press conference if he was worthy of a, you know, con the, uh, the, the contract with the fifth, fifth year. Is that what that is? The fifth year, whatever it is. Right. And, uh, you know, to do that now. And uh, there wasn't an answer to that question from the, uh, you know, folks in Jacksonville. So, at least it was asked. Now, he's had two really good games in a row here. Uh, they've changed their offense uh, seemingly uh, with him under center more, a lot more motion in the offense. You mentioned those running plays. Unfortunately, those weren't all called running plays because he's been running for his life on a lot of these plays because their offensive line, quite frankly, in pass protection or run blocking. The ETN, I didn't even realize this, uh, he's not, at least as of last week, he's not even averaging four yards per carry. He's had some explosive big-time plays, but it's not been a consistent thing, and their pass protection is not good. And uh, yeah, he's had to run a lot more out of necessity than actually what they want him to do. 
number two in this particular tier is Jared Goff with the Lions. You know, just a few weeks ago, we had been talking about how this trade has really worked out really well for both teams involved here. Seems like Jared Goff found himself a great fit with Detroit. The last couple of games, though, uh, it's been a bit of a struggle, whether it was the three interceptions or the three fumbles on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, so you have to ask the question here, were those two games just an anomaly, anomaly, or is this something to monitor? The other thing I have to wonder, does offensive coordinator Ben Johnson's status, him going to be likely a major candidate for head coaching openings and opportunities next season, change any of the thinking at all in this particular situation? I'm not sure how that factors in, actually. I don't think anybody really knows unless – I wonder if there's people in their building that don't really know that question. But you're being so kind about Jared Goff. He, he has been bad uh, the last two weeks. Uh, and now I th I'm starting to wonder you – know, I've wondered – I don't think their defense is legitimate to start with when fully healthy, which we've kind of seen – they're not going to get much healthier than they are right now uh, later in the season unless somebody comes back from an injury that's not expected because uh, it seems like they've got a couple of guys that are not coming back this year. But, you know, their defense isn't any good. Now I'm wondering if Goff is good enough on offense to, you know, I've never considered them at any point this season to be an NFC contender. And now Goff, I'm even wondering if they can win a playoff game with him playing. If he plays like this, they're not even going to win a playoff game. Tua Tungvaloa with the Dolphins here is the third quarterback in this tier. Uh, are the injury concerns behind him at this point? Also, this does really seem like the perfect fit with him and this offense and Mike McDaniel and maybe – to truly assess where this team is at and how good they can be in the future, does it rely and fall on the defensive side of the ball? They got to just figure it out how to be a good team someday. Now, unfortunately for them, or maybe fortunately for them, they don't play a good team here for a little while. Washington this week certainly doesn't qualify. And two of the last couple of weeks has not been good. Uh, he clearly benefited from Tyreek Hill having a massive yards after the catch numbers a couple of weeks ago. And he certainly wasn't particularly good against the Jets last week against a really good defense. Uh, so, you know, I wonder the um, consistency of Tua from week to week, I think, is masked because of the receivers and the speed he has around him. And uh, you know, I've never been the biggest fan to begin with, so maybe I'm completely wrong on this. I think he's an okay quarterback, certainly good enough to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. But I think the uh, there's a whole lot of quarterbacks that would put up similar numbers in the NFL if he had, you know, the you know the two receivers. And, you know, Waddle was missing in action there for a while. He, he finally showed up last Friday. Uh, but between that and the running backs, I mean, it's like we've joked, somewhat joked, it's like a 400-meter relay team out there. There's a whole bunch of quarterbacks in this league that just you know, prayed that, man, if I could be the quarterback with those guys around me, I would be as good as Tua is. I think it's uh, – I need to see more from Tua and less with uh, just depending on everybody around him. Tier five is our guy looks really good, and we've got him on a rookie deal. And there's just uh, two quarterbacks in this category. One, C.J. Stroud with the Texans. His accuracy, accuracy poise, obviously all of that has been on display for him. Um, 
I'm curious, though, because the NFL season is much longer than the college football season. So is some of that maybe going to creep into things here uh, as the season progresses and turns into December and January? Well, I think the biggest concern is this offensive line again. It turns out, you know, Titus Howard, I think I said he was the right tackle. He got moved to left guard this year. I should have known that, but for whatever reason, I didn't think of that when I was talking about it on Monday. But unfortunately, Howard is out for the season now uh, with season-ending surgery announced yesterday. So it's going to be literally like a game and a half this entire year that the Texans had their starting offensive line out there intact. Uh, so that's you know, and he was running for his life in this game last week against Jacksonville. You know, Jacksonville's front seven is pretty pretty darn good, and Josh Allen has been unblockable since September. But you know, I just wonder if uh, if Stroud's going to survive because he's getting hit a lot. I mean, he was like pressured at least fifty percent of the time. I don't have the official numbers, but you know, the part of the game that I, I did get to see some of this game on a replay. And he's just running for his life, like seemingly as soon as the ball is snapped. And, you know, the knockout of him at Ohio State is he wasn't mobile and couldn't run or couldn't run out of the pocket and make a play if he got off his spot. Well, he didn't have to at Ohio State because they had pretty good offensive line then. And the Big Ten defenses weren't, quite frankly, that good. Uh, so I think that was more than anything that you know, this mobility thing or lack thereof I thought was a joke. Uh, but you know, I just wonder if uh, hopefully uh, you know, Stroud will survive this offensive line. And they don't have much of a running game either. That doesn't help him any. But the fact that he's put up these numbers with these obstacles is amazing to me. And two in this category is Brock Purdy with the 49ers. He is not eligible for a new contract. So, again, this allows uh, the team to have that flexibility to go after other players on offense and defense. And seemingly, uh, he has been a great fit in the Kyle Shanahan offense. Totally agree. I don't know how anybody else can agree uh, say, say otherwise. I guess, you know, during that three weeks uh, – where they had a losing streak, uh, yeah, he was, you know, suddenly, well, this is why he was a seventh-round draft pick, which I thought was just an absurd assessment by many of the network television analysts. Uh, you know, they're undefeated when Trent Williams and Debo Samuel are healthy, and they're the best team in the NFL when this team is healthy, and I'll be picking them this week against Philadelphia. I'm going to skip uh, over Tier 6 and Tier 7, and we'll dive into Tier 8 here because there's a reason why. Uh, tier 8 is a wide range of possibilities. A couple of quarterbacks stand out here. Russell Wilson leading the way with the Broncos. Wilson has been incredible in the red zone with his efficiency here. The team, though, itself... Uh, since getting off to a really slow start, now winning six in a row, they are featuring the ground game much more. So the question here is, is Sean Payton going to be happy with Russell Wilson moving forward, or uh, is he going to want a new quarterback to kind of mold? No, I think he's got to be you know, exceptionally pleased about this. He's on pace for 31 touchdowns and eight interceptions for the season. Uh, you mentioned the red zone. He's been the best passer in the red zone this season. He's now gone five consecutive games without an interception. I mean, I can't imagine that uh, you know, Peyton thinks anything other than this is working out. And hopefully Russ will think that, but you never know sometimes what Russ is actually thinking. Uh, but Denver, once again, similar to Baltimore in a way, 
uh, you know, I think a lot of people just didn't even realize or didn't really care to realize that when they gave up 70 points in that game against Miami, they were without four key defensive players. Four key guys were not playing in that game. Those guys are all back. Their defense is now good. They've got 16 takeaways during this five-game winning streak. Uh, and then number two is Daniel Jones with the Giants. There were obviously a lot of struggles. The offensive line, much to discuss for the Giants, but struggles for Daniel Jones before he tore his ACL. Uh, you gave him the contract in the offseason. It seemed like they were having some more success, though, with Tyrod Taylor under the same offensive line conditions before Tyrod went down. And now we've seen Dan, uh, Tommy DeVito, I should say. I was about to say Danny DeVito. Tommy DeVito for the last uh, couple of games. <laughs> yeah, we need like a, you know, Jersey subs. Is that what his spot is? You know, for the, Jersey whatever Mikes, it is, yeah. The, the Jersey Mikes. Okay, yeah, there we go. Uh, so there's uh, yeah, those commercials are actually very good. Uh, I've never understood this, you know, fascination with, with Jones, whether he was with Duke uh, or whether, you know, then he got drafted in the first round and I went, really? Or now uh, he got the contract extension and I went, really? And now some people think he's still the quarterback of the future of the Giants. And guess what I'm going to say? Really? So I, I never understood why anybody really thinks he's an NFL franchise or a good quarterback. And finally, here in this tier, Kyler Murray with the Cardinals. Draft picks are obviously going to be there for the Cardinals if they'd like to go in a different direction here. So it all comes down to this evaluation period. What does the new coaching staff in front office think about Murray and and really assessing all the needs uh, for this Cardinals team? And can you win? And where is most important? Yeah, good news is uh, that uh, you know, the Cardinals are going to have two first-round picks, and we mentioned I mentioned during the Sports Zone that you know that that Houston pick is right now the 18th pick of the first round, uh, so not as high as most people, or if not everybody, thought it was going to be a much higher pick than that. As far as that goes, the good news is you know, this is by all the accounts of the upcoming draft people that uh, the media draft mock draft people. This is like the best offensive tackle draft in a really long time, which is really good news because the league desperately needs offensive linemen. Doesn't mean all these guys are going to be staying at the position of tackle in the NFL. Uh, but I would strongly suggest that, A, the number one, the Cardinals actually pick a quarterback with their first pick of the draft, whenever that is, and they pick an offensive tackle or a lineman with the second pick because, as I've mentioned for maybe not for like a half hour now that their offensive line sucks and they need some offensive linemen in the draft. Uh, some of the six top names so far coming out in the 2024 draft class include Drake May, Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix Jr. So obviously there will be much more discussion once everyone officially declares, et cetera, what their intentions are for 2024. Yeah, I wonder how the NFL is going to view Michael Penix Jr., which I've mentioned a couple of times during the season. He's had massive injury history. He's injured right now playing for Washington, according to a lot of the uh, – certainly the betting market, the betting the betting world thinks that there's something physically wrong with him. And look at some of the numbers lately. I think that that is under, understandable that somebody thinks he's not a health, 100% healthy right now. But he's had you know multiple knee injuries, at least a couple of surgeries – 
And I'm guessing there are going to be some NFL teams that completely red flag him or you just don't want any part of him because of his injury history. 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in. We'll take your calls now, talk to you on the other side of the break. We'll also dive into the new CFP rankings from last night, college football. That's happening here in the Extra Point. As always, follow along with us online at kdos1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. It is Wednesday. It is November 29th. The number, 602-260-1060. Your caddy, Ray Adams, takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060. Point. It is Wednesday. It is November 29th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 p.m. today. Back with you on Friday. Extra Point is skipping tomorrow. The Sports Zone will be in full, though, tomorrow from 10 to 11. 602 260 1060. If you'd like to chime in, we're diverting our attention away from the NFL and going into the world of college football. The latest CFP rankings released last night. Georgia coming out uh, on top, number one. They're 12-0 and on the season. When we look at this record here, what do we consider their best win to be? Is it Missouri? Is it Ole Miss? Uh, take your pick. Um, you know, I would say Missouri. If you listen to Pete Futak, he would say Ole Miss. Who, and he did say Ole Miss earlier uh, during the sports zone today. So it's one of those two. Uh, but, you know, certainly I, I personally think that those two teams are better than Penn State. Pete disagrees on that also, by the way, as he stated earlier. But, uh, you know, they're, they're good, and they've, they've definitely gotten better during the season. I think that's important to point out, which is not surprising because all the players that they lost to the NFL the last two years, I don't think they were going to start the season at the level anywhere near the level they've been the last couple of years. But clearly the quarterback play is better than it was the last two years when you know, you know basically Bennett won the national championship twice. And they've had a lot of injuries this year. In fact, they've really had like one game this year on offense when they've had all their players out there, including last Saturday, when I kind of got the impression, I don't know if I officially heard a word on In fact, I didn't hear an official word on this. But I assume that the reason McConkey and Bowers didn't play last week against Georgia Tech is they were just being rested. Uh, and so next up for Georgia is the SEC title game against Alabama. At last look, Georgia minus five and a half, Alabama plus five and a half. Number two, Michigan, also 12-0, and 0, uh, their best win over Ohio State. And I guess depending upon who you think, we could also toss in a number two Penn State victory. Uh, next up for them is the Big Ten title against Iowa, where Michigan is minus 23.5, Iowa plus 23.5. Yeah, not exactly expected to be a big contest here. Obviously, you know, Zach Zinter, who is their best offensive lineman, will not be playing in this game. And, uh, you know, you suffered the awful ACL and MCL injury in the third quarter of that Ohio State game. 
And I would think that, uh, you know, obviously if I was going to – here's a brilliant comment by me. If I was going to win this game, it's going to have to be because Michigan screws up on offense and Iowa's defense just kind of gets some points somehow. Either that or on special teams where I think they have clear advantage against Michigan in this game. Uh, but uh, we'll see what happens. But, you know, Michigan – should win handily in this contest, even though handily in this game might be like 23 to 3 or something like that. Uh, number three here is now UW. They're also 12 and 0. So, what are we considering their best win? Is it Oregon? Can we also toss in Utah at the time? Can we toss in Oregon State? Can we go even further back to U of A based upon how U of A progressed throughout the season? How do we kind of look at, at the Huskies there? And then they'll have a huge game on Friday uh, for the Pac-12 title against Oregon in which they are nine-and-a-half-point underdogs. Yeah, I think that tells you what the odds makers and the betters actually think about Washington at this point. There's a lot of people in the betting world that think that, as I just mentioned in the last segment, that Michael Penix Jr. is injured. Clearly, his numbers haven't been as good down the stretch here. They haven't been as good as a team. Uh, they haven't won a game by double digits in September. Uh, so there's that. But, uh, you know, Washington's uh, trucking along here. And, uh, yeah, I've thought for weeks that you know, if Oregon and Washington play again, I'll be on Washington. Uh, excuse me, I'll be on Oregon for sure. I never dreamed that Washington would be a nine-and-a-half-point favorite this game. Uh, number four is now Florida State. They are sitting at 12-0. and 0. Uh, Is their best win LSU all the way back from the first week of the season? Now they don't have their quarterback, so you have to wonder how much that's going to continue to factor in. The ACC title game against Louisville, Louisville plus 2.5, FSU minus 2.5. Yeah, I actually think their best win is at Clemson. Uh, you know, I know Clemson's down this year, even though Clemson has certainly improved since then and gotten better during the season. And that's largely because their defense has been really good, which has been pretty much the whole season, and their running game has gotten better. Doesn't have much to do with Klubnik, uh, who is still particularly, you know, I think, particularly damaging their chances of being a really, really good team. But uh, that seems to be a quarterback development problem that Clemson has, at least with their last two starting quarterbacks. Uh, so we'll see what's up with that. You mentioned uh, Louisville against Florida State. They played last year in Louisville, and ironically, uh, Wanamaker, their current starting quarterback, had to play in that game at Louisville uh, because that's one of the games that Travis was injured last year, and he won the game at Louisville last year. Do you still consider Clemson that Clemson victory, uh, even though they never led the entire game until the game was over? What am I considering? Yeah, like I'm that, that, with the that that still is their best win despite not yes. having a lead yeah. the entire game. It is because it was at Clemson, and uh, so you know, just uh, you know, that's that's their. And I don't, you know, anything against you know LSU. God bless Jaden Daniels, and I guess he might win the Heisman Trophy, which will be a joke if he does. But uh, whatever, he has the nice stats and flashy. He's a flashy player, and I guess that's why he's going to win the Heisman Trophy, maybe. Uh, but you know, as much as I like Jaden Daniels, there's no chance in hell that I would ever vote for him to win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, back to the Clemson thing, uh, I don't think the LSU victory is that big a deal for Florida State at this point. They lost three games. Their defense sucks. Number five, uh, Oregon, 11-1, and one, and uh, they look like such a complete team, but the wins that they have had slowly get more and more less impressive as time goes on here. Uh, but 
if they do happen to beat UW, is this a situation where the Pac-12 then gets left out entirely, or does Oregon slide into the the top four if they win Friday night? Uh, it seems like the people that pay much more attention to this than me that think that Oregon's in if they win, or whoever wins that game on Friday is in, no matter what else happens in the, the uh, landscape here. So that's what they say. And like I said, they know much more about this than I do, including the uh, ESPN people or you know the athletic podcast that I listen to for college football. It seems like everybody's on board with that. I also will say that I would say that most of the Pac-12 wins this season uh, that looked really good before, you know, like a month ago, most of those don't look as good now. Number six is Ohio State sitting at 11-1. and one. They, they are done uh, with competition, at least until a bowl game, or if they can get some help to slide into the top four. Seven is Texas at 11-1. and one. Their best win coming against Alabama. The Big 12 title game for them. They are 14.5-point favorites. I think it would be interesting to see what happens if uh, Alabama beats Georgia. What happens with the trio of uh, Alabama, Georgia, and Texas? That, I think, could be the most interesting decision for the committee if Alabama would actually beat Georgia on Saturday. Yeah, that was my next one up with Alabama at 8 at 11-1, and and how much does that just shake up everything with a win over Georgia? And does that also then, because Georgia's still currently sitting at 1, if Georgia were to lose, still allow them to be part of the college football playoff? I have no idea. If they're taking the four best teams, they should be in for sure. But, uh, you know, sometimes we wonder if they've actually taken the four best teams. And, yeah, Jalen Milrow is certainly much better now than he was when he lost the uh, second game of the season at home to Texas. In fact, uh, Milrow is now second in the nation in yards per pass attempt. I would have never guessed that earlier in the year. I'm guessing Nick Saban would have never guessed that earlier in the year. Rounding out the top 10, Missouri at 10-2 and two, and Penn State also at 10-2. There are two losses there coming to Ohio State and Michigan. Much chronicled about James Franklin and his tenure as Penn State head coach. Yeah, and I mean, what are they supposed to do? I mean, they, they, if he leaves, who are they going to hire? I mean... It'd be nice for them if they would, you know, take the next step and beat one of those two teams uh, more than just occasionally. Uh, but you know, I don't really know what they're. He keeps changing coordinators all the time, especially on offense. And some of his defensive coordinators left and took head coaching jobs. But I, I would, I don't have an answer as to how Penn State can actually take that next stop step, whether it's with Franklin or somebody else. On the other side, we get into the poll questions, KDOS1060.com, as well as the Twitter poll question at KDOSAM1060. It's all happening next here in the Extra Point. We'll do what's best for the team, and we'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show, coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. here on KDOSAM1060 and KDOS1060.com. point on this Wednesday, November 29th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until one o'clock today. 
as we're doing this week today and Friday. Let's dive into the poll questions. KDOS1060.com's poll question. Should Georgia still be ranked ahead of Michigan in the college football playoff rankings? Yes or no, Bob? Uh, yes, I think they should be. And I'm going to make both these answers pretty quick and brief. And I've made a jotted down or not jotted down, typed out a couple of things here. I think they deserve to be number one. They have three ones against the top 21 and now the current CFP, number nine, Missouri, number 11, Old Miss, and number 21, Tennessee. I don't really care about the Tennessee game, but I actually think that uh, the Missouri and the Old Miss wins are pretty impressive. And uh, Michigan has two wins over other ranked teams, number six, Ohio State, and number 10, Penn State. I actually think that Missouri and Old Miss are better than Penn State. If a tiebreaker is required here, though, uh, Michigan is the only team in the top 24 that, had, that played zero Power 5 teams in non-conference play. They didn't play any Power 5 teams. The committee is usually favored teams that played at least a challenging non-conference schedule if they had some kind of tiebreaker. As to, we have not necessarily one and two. I don't remember a team that's been ranked two ever that didn't play one non-conference game against a Power 5 opponent. But, you know, the strength of schedule seems to play a role in some kind of, you know, like a tie-breaking situation in the history of the CFP. So I would assume that would again. So throw all that together, and I think that Georgia still deserves to be ranked number one. Uh, yes, I am in agreement with you, and for pretty much all the same reasons there. Um, and just because, you know, Michigan didn't really play anybody until – uh, they got to the Penn State contest, and then after that, last Saturday's contest. So uh, I say yes with with Georgia at its current juncture, and the masses are. And we and, and we knew in like literally as soon as the schedule. You soon, like I knew the schedule like in February because I'm crazy. But you know, as soon as I saw the schedule, I went, oh my God, their season doesn't start till November. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the masses, they are in agreement to the tune of 69% of the vote. They're on the yes side of things and no sitting at 31%. That is KDOS1060.com's poll question. Let's toss it on over to Twitter at KDOSAM1060. Should the U of A be ranked higher than 15th in the college football rankings? So uh, we went through... Uh, the top 10. So you had nine sitting at Missouri. It's 10 and two. Then you have 10 Penn state at 10 and two. Ole Miss is 11 at 10 and two. Oklahoma is 12th at 10 and two. Then you have LSU, the first team with nine wins at 13th at nine and three. Then Louisville at 10 and two and the U of A sitting at nine and three. So they are the second uh, nine win team to pop up in the CFP. I, that Mississippi State loss is obviously looking pretty bad at this point in time, uh, but they got a whole lot better as the season went along. That defense was pretty darn good. What Noah Fafita was doing uh, on the offensive side of the ball was pretty special here. So I can understand maybe thinking, uh, yeah, they should be higher than 15th here. But then when you look at who these other teams are and their particular record, I, I think you, you slot them in and you say 15th, that's... That's about where it should be. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't know how they, you know, who in the you know, top 14 should they be ranked ahead of? Uh, you know, LSU, you mentioned those teams. Uh, that's the team of three losses. The only team that's ranked uh, ahead of the U of A with three losses. And if LSU played the U of A, as much as I just said, that would be a high scoring game. That, well, even though 
I would be kind of like to watch that game, to, you know, to be honest, because I think the U of A's defense is the reason they've been so good this year. And uh, their front seven's really good. And LSU's front seven on offense, or front four on offense, not great. And uh, Jaden Daniels kind of has to run for his life more than occasionally. Uh, so that would be fun. And also LSU has a really good group of receivers, and the U of A secondary clearly is the defensive weakness. So that would be a fun matchup. And, Maybe we'll see it in a bowl game somewhere, uh, even though I don't know how that ever works out anymore. They'll have that on Sunday, and uh, I'll probably figure out about halfway through December who's playing in what bowl. Uh, so there's with that. But I don't know who, uh, if anybody, who should they be ranked ahead of that's uh, you know in the top 14? And on the other side of that, I don't necessarily know who anybody that's ranked behind the U of A should be ranked ahead of them. So... Um, that's a pretty bad answer on my part, but uh, I think that uh, you know, 15th uh, it sounds good, and I don't think that, that they shouldn't be ranked higher than that. I don't think there's any question about that. The masses are on the no side of things here at 66.7% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 33.3%. This is on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. A couple of news items from around the NFL that has caught my attention. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, his 21-day practice window is now officially open. Uh, so we'll see if he does, in fact, make his return like he says he has been. Uh, this obviously would be at a record speed for returning from a ruptured Achilles, which he suffered just 79 days ago. Yeah, I, I predict that this is going to be, in some shape or form, a poll question on Thursday. Then you have linebacker Shaq Leonard visiting the Eagles today. I believe he visited the Cowboys yesterday. This he is after did. he went to lunch with Jerry Jones yesterday. I wonder what they had for lunch. Ooh, I don't know. I hope something yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Shaq Leonard was cut by the Colts uh, last week. What, what was that? Was that was last week? Yeah, that was last week. Yeah, he's had two back surgeries, and he clearly is not the same player he was. It's not like the Colts. The Colts are in a playoff run here. They're number, you know, they're the seventh team right now in the AFC, and they didn't think that he could help them win games. Uh, so, and it, the, the eye test and you know what they thought seemed to certainly match. I mean, he's unfortunately, uh, it's uh, not the same player he was. At least uh, the way he was being utilized in Indianapolis and. Yeah, I listened to a uh, – I apologize, I don't remember the beat writer's name on a podcast earlier this week about the Colts, and he thought a few weeks ago that you know, there were a couple of plays he mentioned specifically that Leonard would have just made with ease in past years, and he couldn't get there this year. Sticking with the Colts, they'll be without Jonathan Taylor, who had thumb surgery today and is expected to miss a couple of weeks. Last I saw, not expected to land on the IR list, but back to Zach Moss now as running back one. Yeah, and he's really good. That's uh, something we talked about yesterday uh, with John McKechnie of our weekly. Uh, in fact, this news came out about Taylor literally uh, like the 10 minutes before we had John on. At least that's when I first learned about it. Uh, a few minutes before I had John on. And uh, Zach Moss is a really good player, uh, non-fantasy and fantasy-wise. And I don't think there's going to be that much of a drop-off, quite frankly, because it's not like Taylor until these last couple of weeks. He had not performed at a very high level this year, at least compared to the past. The offensive line's not as good, but you, I, you can make a pretty good case, and I think a pretty easy one, 
that the Colts have actually been better with Moss on the field this year than Taylor. And then we have, uh, you already touched on this here, and if it was hour one or hour two, uh, Texans offensive lineman Titus Howard is set to miss the rest of the season needing knee surgery. That was hour two. It wasn't during the sports zone. It was like during the extra point here. And we were talking about C.J. Stroud whenever we got to the C.J. Stroud part of this. Uh, you know, their offensive line has unfortunately been intact for literally a game and a half this season uh, because of injuries to three or four different guys. And, you know, they got they were all intact when they played the Cardinals two weeks ago. That, to my knowledge, is the only game this season they've all been out there. And then that lasted one game. And then the first half of last week when Howard went down with the season-ending injury. Couple of more Texans moves. They signed cornerback Desmond King today. They waived cornerback Shaquille Griffin and then reinstated Denzel Perryman after he's been uh, serving his suspension. Yeah, I would assume that uh, King is more of a kick returner or you know nickel or dime defensive back. Uh, he wouldn't be out there right now and still on the market if he were still any good as a corner. The Suns, they play basketball this afternoon. They're in Toronto. They also have made it to the single elimination portion Yoo-hoo! of the in-season tournament. Yoo-hoo! That's right. You know, they going to put a banner up for that? Uh, maybe if they win the whole in-season oh, tournament. Oh. oh, my God. I had, to re- okay. I had to realize what IST meant, in-season is- tournament. Oh, okay. I have no idea. It sounds like something that, uh, like an IT thing that I don't understand. Carving out time in your afternoon for the Doug Gottlieb Show, right here on KDUS AM 1060, 100.7 HD2, and KDUS1060.com. Weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. Wednesday, November 29th edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. And as always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Bob, it's thank you time. Okay. Off of another excellent off-air discussion there when we are talking about women's college basketball and a conversation that I started. That is true. You did. Amazing in itself. All right. Uh, thank you, Time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else uh, slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today around college football, Pete Futak of collegefootballnews.com. Obviously, we went through the college football playoff uh, situation. Uh, Pete likes Alabama, by the way, against Georgia on Saturday. And uh, we went through some of the college coaching uh, situations, uh, you know, starting with Texas A&M. Uh, Elko, now the coach, etc. Also Thursday, by the way, at 10.15, we'll preview the uh, Thursday night Cowboys and Seahawks games with Michael Gelkin from the Dallas Morning News. Saturday, courtesy of ESPN, Fox, the University of Michigan. 
WMVP, and also CBS. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next from 1 to 3 p.m., it is the Doug Gottlieb Show, followed by uh, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, the Sport 2 with Dave Rooster-Beerstein from 5 to 6, and we have NAU men's basketball taking on UCSB. Uh, pre-game is set for 7.30 p.m., tip at 8 right here on KDOS AM 1060. Speaking of basketball the suns they're in toronto tonight it's a 5 30 p.m start over on channel three last i saw kevin durant was questionable with his foot injury grayson allen also questionable uh with an illness obviously uh bradley beal is still within that three-week period before he's even re-evaluated with his back injury but devin booker back and playing for the suns as they're looking for what eight in a row now I believe that's correct. Yeah, I believe it's currently a seven-game winning streak. Speaking of the Suns, so they're playing Toronto tonight, and this has absolutely nothing to do with the in-season tournament, but what uh, they have accomplished is that they are in the in-season single elimination part of the tournament here. So that'll be the Suns at the Lakers, and that's set for Tuesday, December 5th. If they win, they'll advance to the semis on Thursday, December 7th. That should be in Las Vegas, if I have this all correct. The losing teams in the quarterfinals will then play each other. That takes place on Friday, December 8th. And then the champion. Really? Yeah. The losing team. They would be really inspired. The losing teams? Correct. And it's because they're trying to make sure that you, everybody, finishes the season with 82 games. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Okay. They've thought this out much more than I. (laughs) uh, And and then how things, I don't know if you saw this part, because of the in-season tournament and making sure you find your way into into the wild card portion of things, you have, things are also then established if you have the same record based upon point differential. So you had all sorts of problems ensuing last night between the Bulls head coach Billy Donovan and the Celtics head coach Joe Mazzulla because the Celtics need a massive point differential so they started the hacka andre drummond <laughs> okay i'm sure the nba didn't envision that uh, i did know the pointer differential thing because they mentioned that during the sun's memphis game on uh, the sun's broadcast last week yeah, and then the other bit of NBA news here, Mark Cuban is selling his majority stake of the Mavericks Yahoo! to... Get him Mir- out. Well, hold on. Miriam no, Allison and her family, and Cuban still yeah. owns a stake and will run the basketball operations. Oh, never mind. So I admire him for creating his uh, you know, million, billion-dollar empire and whatever, uh, but uh, some of the things he's tried to bring to the NBA have uh, been really bad ideas. That'll do it for this Wednesday edition of The Extra Point. The Sports Zone with Bob Kemp with you is tomorrow from 10 to 11, and The Extra Point back with you on Friday for Friday spread starting at 11 a.m. Talk to you on Friday.